Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. It's complicated. Relationships. We're talking about all kinds of different relationships. Uh, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about dating. We're talking about family, uh, adult family. Uh, some of you guys have kids like I do. And regardless of what relationship you're in, I mean, we could even go to coworkers and neighbors and, and all kinds of things like that. Regardless of what relationship you may be in, we can all agree that it's complicated. We can all agree that there is some conflict that we have experienced. There's tension. There's disagreements. There are nails and foreheads, and uh, people won't listen to us as we try try and solve that problem. Um, It's interesting, too, because anytime you get two different people uh, that are in a a fight, a conflict, whatever it might be, disagreement, argument, whatever you want to call it, um, a discussion, for those of you that refuse to say that you fight with anybody, we're just having a heated discussion, uh, a debate. Um, Anytime you get two different people in that scenario, it's interesting because they both have very different styles and approaches and backgrounds. Uh, they grew up in different families. They're different genders. There's all kinds of different ways that we bring other kind of aspects of our personality into conflict. And it's, it's a challenging thing, but the reality is that people fight different ways. People experience and show up in different ways in, in conflict and disagreements. There's five different kind of ways. There's probably more, but there's five I want to look at just real quickly. Five different types of personalities that show up in a fight. The first one uh, are pe- peacemakers. Uh, these are people that uh, just want everything to be fine. They're never going to push back against you. They're never going to disagree. They're never going to make. They're not going to say anything that would make the fight last longer than it already is. Uh, these people want things to be as okay as possible, as quickly as possible, and let's just move on. Uh, they they kind of will just lay over in that way. The second one is sulkers. Uh, even if the conflict is resolved, uh, people that sulk, they usually uh, just like to make sure everybody knows that they are still not happy. Uh, There's a sense of like, it's been resolved, it's been fixed, and you're going to be able to read it on my face for the next couple of days. Uh, We're going to just keep making sure that you relive this. There's the stuffers. Uh, These are the people that refuse to acknowledge that anything is wrong. It's like, you know, no, I'm fine. That's okay. I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'm just going to move on. I don't need to talk about it. We don't need to do it. I'm just going to Bury it deep, uh, never to talk about it again. You know, there's this reality where we kind of just push this stuff down. This is how some people deal with it. There's the litigators, uh, and these are the people that have never lost an argument in their life. Uh, They show up prepared. They have documents. uh, They have exhibit A, exhibit B. Uh, They cannot lose an argument if they try. They just have a mind that works in such a way that they are able to navigate and switch and twist and always make sure that they're able to articulate uh, whatever they need to do in order to win the argument. In fact, if you were to tell a litigator, like, you've never lost an argument in your life, they would somehow convince you that they have lost an argument, thus proving the fact that they've never lost an argument. I mean, it's just the way that it goes. And then the last one is the screamers, uh, people that just yell, uh, people that have to kind of shout. I grew up in a family that was uh, kind of a shouting family, and we never really talked about much of our issues. It was just like when we shouted long enough, it just relieved enough tension, it relieved enough pressure that everything just kind of went back to zero. Nothing was ever dealt with or handled or fixed. It was just like you just got to shout for a couple minutes at each other, at each other's general direction, just yelling, and then, okay, 
I feel better now, you know, and it's, it's like totally unhealthy, but this is kind of the family that I grew up. Maybe you guys were the same, and these are five different ways. There's probably a dozen, two dozen. What makes this challenging is that we show up in relationships, whether it's dating, marriage, family, coworkers, we show up as one of these, and almost always the other person in the relationship is something else. You're a shouter, and they're a stuffer. You're a litigator and they're a peacemaker, whatever it is. And so it just adds this extra layer of, com- uh, of uh, complexity to the conflict, to the tension in our relationships because we don't even try and work through the conflict in the same way. The reality is, is that even though there's all kinds of versions of personalities, there's all kinds of reasons for having fights, there really is only one source of conflict. And that's what I want to look at today um, Uh, I want to look at a passage in um, the New Testament. It's a book called James. It was originally a letter written by this man named James. He was actually the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, And so he's writing this letter to this church. uh, And and it's interesting because he kind of has this question. It's a powerful, really powerful idea and principle. And he starts this whole thing off with a question. He says, just very simply, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights, what causes quarrels, what causes conflict, tension among you in your relationships? Now, if we wanted to, I could take, hey, hey we're going to take two minutes, and why don't you just turn to somebody beside you, maybe it's a friend or a spouse or a significant other or a parent or a kid or whatever it is, why don't you guys just discuss and see what you come up with? Uh, why don't you decide what causes uh, tension in your relationship. Uh, I'm not going to do that because we would all end up fighting in less than like 30 seconds. It's very clearly like, well... Um, let's see, what caused you? You cause tension in my relationship. Uh, you have a lot of issues, and I'm trying my best to work around your faults. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, there's this, it really quickly, it turns to this reality that we, we point towards other people. It's like, well, you went over budget, and you didn't get the clothes in the hamper, and you didn't pick up the kids, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and, and whatever it might be. And again, a lot of this the examples that always come to mind for me are marriage examples uh, because I'm married. But this this is not just a marriage reality. This is true with parent-child uh, relationships. This is true in, in co-working relationships. This is true in roommate. This is true in dating. This is true in all relationships because conflict happens in every kind of relationship. It happens in all different kinds of relationships. And James has this simple question What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, we might feel like there's probably a thousand reasons. You know, we we have these experiences, and I've said this to my kids. I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, and you guys have probably said this to your kids, or maybe you remember your parents saying this to you. If you would just do what I say, this would go so much easier. That we wouldn't have these problems. Uh, we wouldn't have this show up. If you would just, if everybody would just do things the way that I want them. In my office, if, if that team over there on the other side of the building would just do things the way that I told them to do things, we wouldn't have these issues. In our friendships, if they would just listen to the advice, I've had coffee with them a dozen times while they've cried and told me all their problems, and I'm telling them what to do. If they would just do what I tell them to do, this would be, this would be solved. We all have this experience where we just imagine, man, if you would just do what I'm saying, then you will have this solved and we will no longer have this tension, this conflict. We get this frustration, this, this tension in our relationships because we have this experience where we, we think that it's other people, it's on their side of the fence, it's on their problem, it's on their experiences, their mistakes. They, they, they are the problem. And so ultimately, as long as we, 
imagine that other people, as long as we choose to believe that other people are the problem, that ultimately what we do is that when we blame other people for our unhappiness, then we give them the ability for us to always be unhappy. We give them the responsibility. We give them the honor of deciding when we can be happy and when we cannot be happy. Uh, we have these experiences where, uh, you know, well, let me, let me kind of say it this way. Do you guys like coffee? How many coffee drinkers are in the house? Okay, so this is just a, uh, an illustration. But uh, let's pretend like this cup of coffee equals my happiness, which is mostly true. Uh, uh, when we have this kind of mindset that, man, if you would fix, if you would change, you are the problem, you made the mistake, you never did this, you should have done that. As, as long as we have that mindset, as long as we're blaming other people for our unhappiness, we're essentially giving them our happiness and saying, here, you hold on to this, and as soon as you're ready to allow me to have some, just let me know. You can hold on to the, all of my potential for happiness. I'm going to put it all in your hands. And, and, and however you want to act, however you want to interact, whatever you want to do with conflict, whatever you want to do with tension, however you want to respond in this relationship, friendship, marriage, working place, you now get to decide when I'm happy. You now get to decide when I get to experience a little bit of peace in my life. I'm going to put all of this in your hands. And none of us would ever just do this on our own. But when we choose to believe that the problem is always on the other side of the fence, we're always allowing that person then to say when and where and how we experience any sense of happiness or peace or fulfillment in our lives. As long as we're stuck in this cycle of if you would stop, if you would start, if you would just, if you would quit, if you, if you, and ultimately any time that our relationships is built on a giant if you, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be healthy. Anytime we show up in our relationship with this understanding in your marriage, in your friendships, in your uh, family relationships, if you would just, when we hold on to that song, in our relationships, that mantra in our relationships, it is going to be a painful ride. It is going to be a painful experience. You're essentially saying, I can't be happy until you do something differently, until you show up, until you give, until you stop. James, in this passage, James chapter 4, he starts off with this question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he answers his question, just to make sure we get the right answer. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Well, James, I don't think I agree with that. I'm pretty sure it comes from their problems. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's because of their craziness, their, uh, their parents, the home that they were raised in, their struggles, their whatever it is. The, the conflict always comes from them. James says, no, no. It comes from your desires that battle within you. We always want to believe it's on somebody else's side of the fence. But the reality is that it starts from inside of me. I have a desire and every single conflict with every single person I've had, ultimately the root of that conflict is that I want something from them and I am not getting it. I have a desire and I am not getting that desire met in my friendships. I want something from my friends, and I'm not getting that in my marriage. I want something from my spouse, and I'm not getting that in my work relationships. I want something from my cubicle mate, 
from my coworkers, from my boss, and I'm not getting it. This is what the root of conflict, the source of tension in our relationships is from. A conflict within you that is creating conflict with the people around you. He goes on. He says, uh, don't they come from your desires at battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. You want something, and you don't have it. And that is causing a tension for you. And now, let me just say, uh, kind of put this on pause for a second. This doesn't necessarily mean that what you want is wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that what you want is bad. You may want the right thing. You may want good things. But we have to get to a place where we can start to acknowledge that because I'm not getting what I want, maybe it's the right thing that I want, but because I'm not getting it, I am very frustrated. It's causing tension. There's conflict. There's a, there's a disconnect in our relationship. Because I'm not getting something that I want, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. It's like, oh my gosh, James. That took like a really strong turn. James isn't writing to you know, people on like death row. He's not writing to murderers. He's writing to a church. He's not talking about, he's, he's using hyperbole. He's saying, because you desire something that you are not getting, you start to kill. You start to destroy. And we've seen this happen in our relationships. We've seen this happen between parents and their kids. When their kids don't do the things that their parents want them to do, they don't succeed in the way, they don't go in the certain path, you see this relationship start to fracture and it can oftentimes start to crack because the parent isn't getting what they want from their kids. And even if it's with the best intentions and it's the, the best hopes, you see this in marriages where a spouse isn't getting what they want from another spouse, and so they decide that they're going to go find that somewhere else, and that starts to kill their marriage, whether it's just a, an emotional connection or a physical affection or, or whatever it might be. You see this in friendships. You see this all over the place. Because I'm not getting what I want from you, I'm going to start to ultimately put so much pressure, the conflict is going to show up. I'm going to try and squeeze something out of this situation that ultimately is going to destroy and potentially kill this relationship. When you want something from someone, if you want it bad enough, uh, and your desire to get what you want from them or out of them or for them, so that you can feel better or that you can feel prouder or that you can feel happier, when we want something bad enough from someone, we have the potential to destroy that person or that relationship because conflict comes because there's something inside of me that I desire and I'm not getting. And so until I get that, I'm going to lean in on this person. I'm going to put pressure on this relationship. I'm going to continue hassling them. Or some of us, we pull back and we withhold things from that person. I'm not going to respond to that text. I'm not even going to show up to that party. I'm not even going to talk to them about this. I'm not even going to, whatever it might be. We start to do things in a way that puts a pressure on that relationship that ultimately can start to destroy it. When you have conflict, we, also, we always assume it's the other person, but James is very clear. It is you. It is on your side. This is the root of the conflict. You want something, and you're not getting it. So you will use your words or your actions to get it from them one way or another. You will not be defeated. He goes on and he says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So because you can't get what you want, you quarrel and fight. This is a difficult passage for us to read and for us to actually start to internalize because it's like, well, that makes me sound very childish. And I'm not that childish. 
But this is the reality of, of how we interact in our relationships. When I don't get what I want, even if it's a good or right or noble thing, it is frustrating. It is painful. It causes a tension in me. It causes a tension in our relationship. If it's something that I want, it might be a good or a healthy or a right thing. It might be unhealthy or bad or a wrong thing. But regardless of whether it's good or bad or right or wrong, when I'm not getting what I want, it causes a tension to come up. We covet but we cannot get what we want, so we quarrel and fight. So James, why don't we get along in our friendships? James, why don't we get along in our marriage, with our family, with our friends? Because each of us wants something from that person, and they are not giving it to us. And just to complicate things even more, they want something from you, and you're not giving it to them either. We all have these things. And it's not because we're evil or we're sinister or we've got some sort of master like plan. There's the reality that we all are craving, longing, searching for something out of a relationship. We're not getting it. And so conflict and quarrel and fighting starts to happen. Practically speaking, I want to just give like a couple practical ideas of what we could start to do to, to bring the temperature down of the tension and the conflict in our relationships. What if... What if when we started to feel tension, when we started to feel conflict, when we started to feel this like distance, this, this, uh, this fight starting to rise up, this, this frustration, what if in that moment we actually had the wherewithal, we had the, the, the ability to slow, slow ourselves down and be like, what is it that I want that I'm not getting? I don't know if any of us can ever really do that. In that moment, when we're that frustrated, we're starting to be that uh, ticked off, when we're that upset, when we're that bothered, whatever it might be. But if we were able to start just to slow down a little bit and just to think, I mean, there's something that I want that I'm not getting. Maybe it's just that I want quality, I just want to spend time with them. Maybe it's just that I, I want us to have a good, healthy relationship. Maybe I just want to, whatever it is, maybe it's unhealthy things. But what if we were able to slow down? What if in the middle of kind of listing off our faults, have you guys ever had one of these arguments where it's like, well, you know what? You did this, and you did that, and you didn't buy me the Cinnamon Toast Crunch at the grocery store, and you know that's my favorite cereal, and so now I know that you hate me because you didn't get it. Nobody else has had that fight before. Uh, what if in the middle of listing off all of these things, like what if, well, I'm upset because you, and, and I'm upset because you didn't do this, or you did do that, or you caused, or you ignored. What if in the middle of that, it's like, and you know what, you know why else I'm upset? You know what's really the problem here? It's that I'm not getting something that I want. That would be like alarming in any of our relationships. It would be alarming to the person that we say that to, like, wait, what'd they just say? Did they just take some responsibility? <laughs> It would be alarming to ourselves because all of a sudden now it's like, well, the, the, the root of this issue is that I'm not getting something that I want. And all of a sudden now we have to start looking at our desires. We have to start saying, okay, well, am I handling this the right way? Am I going about this the right way? Am I expecting the right type of thing from this person? And as soon as we acknowledge that we're not getting something that we want, it starts to kind of lower the temperature of that tension. I gave this example, this illustration a couple months back, but I, I can't imagine that we all are still doing this perfectly, so I thought I'd give it again. Uh, let's say that this gray circle is the conflict, the fight, the tension, the argument that you have in your relationship. So imagine whatever scenario you're in, family, uh, spouse, significant other, coworker, friend, neighbor, kid, whatever it might be. Uh, this is the conflict. It's like, well, yeah, we have this tension. There's this awkwardness, and some of you guys are shouting. Some of you guys are stuffing. Some of you guys are whatever. Uh, this is what it is. 
what, what would it look like for you to just carve out of this circle a slice of what your responsibility is? Like how much of this pie is your part of the tension? So some of you guys are like, a quarter, that seems generous. Uh, I'd accept like 2%. But let's say like, okay, fine, 2%. Uh, 98% of the problem is them, and only 2% of the problem is you. As soon as you say, well, part of this conflict is my responsibility. As soon as you own a part of the conflict, as soon as you own or acknowledge or admit that part of the tension here is because I'm not getting something that I want, all of a sudden now the temperature of the conflict, the tension, the, the, the experience that you're having in this relationship, it starts to simmer down a little bit. And all of a sudden now you're like, well, I can't just focus on how they've blown it because now I can clearly see that I've, I've messed up a part of this. When This is the phrase that we used a couple months ago. When you own your part, it starts to soften your heart. When you own your part, what is the, what is the piece for you? And maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you blew it somehow. Maybe you just, there's something that you want that you're not getting, and it's not necessarily wrong, but just the reality of the relationship is you're not getting something that you want. But we have to start to learn how to own our part. We have to learn how to start to have this conversation where we can own our part of the problem, own our part of the conflict, because as we accept responsibility for my part, for our own part, all of a sudden we don't feel quite so empowered to point at them and say, well, you did this and you did that. And that is what ultimately James wants for us, is for us to be able to start with humility and be like, well, part of the problem is that I'm just not getting what I want. And that is incredibly frustrating. Part of the problem in this relationship and this marriage and this friendship is, is that I'm just not getting what I want. And that is a difficult thing for me to experience. And so we can have some objections here. It's like, well, my spouse, they made wedding vows. They promised, better or worse, sicker or in health. Sicker or in health, that's not how that goes. Uh, I do uh, know how that goes. Just uh, for richer or poorer, uh, they promised. Uh, and it's like, yes, they did promise. And yes, it is appropriate to expect things out of your spouse, to expect things out of your family members, to expect things out of your friendships. It's appropriate, but it still comes down to, yes, they promised. Uh, I just want you to keep your promise. And I'm not getting that, which is what I want. And so there's conflict. I, I want you to fulfill your vows, and I'm not getting that. I want you to do what you said you would do, and I'm not getting that. It's, it, even if it's the right thing, even if it's something that's on their side of the thing, the reality is still that we have to start at the root. The healthiest place for us to start is at the root of ourselves and say, there's something that I'm not getting. And as soon as I can start to identify what that is, it'll begin to alleviate some of the tension in this relationship, in this conflict. Now, everything that we've talked about up to this point, it really kind of applies no matter what you believe, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey. Some of you guys are Christians. Some of you guys are exploring things. You're not totally sure what you believe. This idea is, is true in our relationships, and it applies regardless of that. Um, but James goes on, and he writes specifically to this, this spiritual reality to the church that he's writing to. He, he starts to expand on this idea. And he says this, he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. It starts off, what causes the, the conflict? It's some, you want something 
and you're not getting it. And because you covet it, but you can't have it, then you start to fight and you start to quarrel. And then from there, you start to squeeze the relationship or you start to build up more tension or to lean in or to pull back and ultimately it starts to, to kill or destroy that relationship. You don't have because you do not ask God. Has it ever occurred to you to start off with God, to look at God, to rely on God? Because oftentimes as you start to, to lean back and, and look at what is it that I want from this person, my friend, what is it that I want from my spouse? What is it that I want from my boss, from my kids? Many of those things that we want from these relationships are good things, but they can only truly or fully be found in God. So what often happens is that we don't actually process that reality. We just go to people and expect our spouses and our friends and our, 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 our family to fulfill these things. So did it ever occur to you before you lay into them for not giving you what you need? Has it ever occurred to you to ask God? Has it ever occurred to you that you aren't getting what you want because you're trying to squeeze it out of somebody that is not able to give it to you in the first place. You're trying to get a sense of identity from a person that they are not designed to be able to give you in the first place. You're trying to get a sense of fulfillment from a person that they are not designed to be able to give you fully in the first place. You're trying to get a sense of meaning from a person. You're trying to get a sense of love from a person. And they can love you, they can love you really well in healthy ways, but you can still never fully experience the love that you long for from that person. You're trying to get something out of them that they are not designed to give you in the first place. Has it ever occurred to you to ask God, to, to go to God, to pray, to to ask God to help provide these things for you, to ask God to help provide these things in your friend or your spouse or your coworkers. God, would you please help them? Lord knows they need help. Could you pour out a little extra on my friend? Uh, would you please give them the ability? Uh, instead, we just go straight to them and be like, hey, guess what? You blew it again. And I'd like for you to figure it out, ASAP. Has it ever occurred to you? You, you don't have because you have not asked God. Now we know that uh, just because we pray doesn't mean that we get everything that we want. God doesn't give us everything that we ask for. But sometimes we treat people like products that are supposed to fulfill us. And we would never say this out loud. But we look at our friends and it starts off in great things like, yeah, they're awesome. We have the same interests and we have, you know, it's like the same schedules and sports teams or whatever it is. Uh, this is awesome. But it slowly starts to move into like, well, they're not really giving me what I need uh, in our marriages. Obviously, it always starts off or like madly in love, deeply in love. And then over the years, like, well, they're not really giving me what I need. We start to shift from uh, caring about them as a person to viewing them as, well, this product is no longer working. I'd like to return it. <laughs> if I were to review this on Amazon, it would be like two and a half stars at best. We start to view the people that we're in relationships with this sense of like, well, you're not giving me what I need. You're not doing for me what I need. You're not, you're not giving me the, the end result of what I long for. And so what is your usefulness? We start to view people as products and the only reason they're in our lives is because they're supposed to give us something. And so when they stop giving us that thing, we just kind of dispose of it and move on to the next one, the, the next friend, the next business, the next spouse, the next whatever it might be. 
as Jesus followers, one of our greatest callings is actually to lay ourselves down for other people, to sacrifice ourselves for them. But oftentimes in our relationships, we, we kind of be like, hey, I really need you to sacrifice yourself for me and just give, give me what I need. Give me what I want. This is what you should do. I hate to break it to you. This is what it would look like to be a Christian. You need to do for me what I want you to do. And it's funny and uncomfortable because we really show up in our relationships this way. But the call of following Jesus is to lay our lives down for other people. The call of marriage is actually to sacrifice ourselves for our our spouse. Ephesians 5, I believe it is. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, which women are like, yeah, that's kind of old school, like a little bit. The next verse says, husbands, uh, love your wives the same way that Christ loved the church, which is just this radical, sacrificial, let me give you everything that I have, even though you're giving me nothing type of love. This is what it means to be in a relationship and a friendship and a marriage is to care for each other, to sacrifice ourselves. But we oftentimes, we view people as products that are supposed to fulfill us. We expect them to sacrifice for us, even though we don't want to do that for them. And James, he ultimately goes on. He says, you you do not have because you do not ask God. And he says, and when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Uh, Which is like a difficult thing for us to hear a lot of times. Uh, Even this morning, um, my son, my older son, he got here and he's like, he came up to me. It was the first thing he said to me this morning. I hadn't seen him at all. I leave really early on Sundays. He came up and was like, hey dad. Like, hey bud, how are you? Give him a little hug. Like, "Um, I'm good today. Can you buy me a new video game? Why don't you just be good today? (laughs) Regardless, there's this reality that he is like, he is asking this question and he has the wrong motives. It's like, well, if I'm good, then will you give me? It's like, well, the motive really should just be to be good, to do things the way that you know you're supposed to do things. But that's not an eight-year-old problem. That's all of our problem. We all wrestle with this. Like, well, God, if I read my Bible like every day, will you please help my spouse become better? If I try really, really hard, will you help my friends show up the way that I need them to show up? If I, if I do really good on this project at work, will you help my boss not be overbearing and mean and condescending? We, we kind of have these things. And, and James is saying, man, sometimes you pray and you ask for things. You don't get them because you ask with the wrong motives so that you spend what you get on your pleasures. And so the questions are, have you, have you taken this to God? Have you asked God to fulfill these things that you, you want, you long for? And can you take no for an answer? Um, when it was probably about seven or eight years ago, I, I went through a really difficult time with uh, my understanding of what prayer was, uh, with why does God answer some prayers and not answer other prayers, and why are some people good enough and other people not good enough for him to answer their prayers. And, and I don't really think that that person's good at all, but it seems like they're getting everything that they want, and I'm over here doing my best, and, and God just is not answering any of my prayers. And it was a really difficult time. I don't know if you guys have ever wrestled with any of those questions, but I had someone, uh, a, a mentor of, of mine at the time, he said, well, Chris, God always answers our prayers. Sometimes he says yes, Sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. Uh, But for us, in our humanity, unless it's a yes now, we just assume that God is not answering prayers. It's like, I went to the cosmic vending machine, and it must be out of order. I went and I asked, and I've done my part, and 
he's just not even answering my prayers. And, and for some of us, we're asking for things and God knows what we need more than we would. He has a perspective that we can't have of our own lives and our relationships. He sees the things that we may want that he knows those things may actually destroy us. They may be unhealthy for us to have. And so sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no, just like when I told my son, like, I'm not going to buy you a video game today for being good. Here's the answer to that question, no. And sometimes he says not yet. Like maybe that will happen at some point in the future. But for us in our humanity, we have this, this need where we want to lean in on the relationships and, and we want them to be able to give us everything that we need. And so we don't even ask God. And then the times when we start to ask God and we start to come to God, we pray oftentimes what happens, and it's not all the time, but oftentimes what happens is, is we're asking with the wrong motives. Like, God, I'd, man, I'd love to be rich. <laughs> God, I'd really love that Lamborghini. Uh, you saw that new one. It's very nice. God, I'd really love for my spouse just to do everything that I want them to do. God, I'd really love for just decent friends. God, I'd really love for my boss to, God, I'd really love for my neighbor. God, I'd really love for the people in my small group or my church. And it's not that those desires are necessarily bad, but are they really going to help you become who God wants you to become? That puts us in relationships with other people so that we can experience transformation, so we can learn how to love, so that we can live our lives the way that Jesus models, so we can sacrifice, so we can give of ourselves, so we can become aware of our own needs and also become aware of other people's needs. This is the invitation that it is to follow Jesus. And so have we taken it to God? Are we trying to squeeze out of other people what we can only really find in God? Are we able to take no for an answer? And so the question I kind of want to end with is, in your life, as you're thinking through your relationships, as you're thinking through marriage, friends, dating, careers, whatever it might be, who, what relationship may be suffering a little bit right now because you are not getting what you want? What relationship that you have might be just experiencing a little bit of extra pain because you're not getting that thing you want. You're, you're viewing them as a product to give you that thing, to, to fulfill something. And, and so because that product isn't working, you're not treating it very well. What is that for you? I know for me, one of the ones that comes to mind, and it's just an ongoing challenge, and I'm trying to learn and grow, but uh, it's with my, my kids. Um, I want something for them. I want them to have something that I didn't have. I want them to learn and to grow in a way that my parents did not help me grow and learn. And I want that so badly for them that oftentimes I start to kill the relationship because they're not meeting my expectations. And so then I start to become overbearing and overpower. And all of a sudden, is that going to give me what I want or is that going to start to cause a chasm and a rift over years and years? This is what it is for me. This is what I know that God wants me to continue working on and continue to becoming aware of. Man, I'm not getting something that I want. And that is the root of this conflict. And so for you, what relationship is, is experiencing tension or pain because you're not getting what you want? And what could you do to make that right today or this week? A shift in expectations, a conversation, maybe writing a letter to someone to clarify, to clear up this communication, this challenges. This is, this is what I think we're ultimately called to do, is to look inward first to see the root of the cause, 
they may have blown it. They may have 98% of the issues might be on their side of the things. But what would it look like for me to own my part first? To start there. To go to God and rely on God. And then to continue leaning into this relationship in a healthy way. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.